Welcome to episode 1178 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette, as always on Sundays. Jason, how you doing, my friend? Uh, doing well. I'm in my new Wander Franco uh, Lumber Company shirt from Rotoware. Uh, and uh, I've got my Justin Mason sticker in the bag, too. So thank you, Kenny. Uh, this shirt's awesome. It, it, the reminder to order it was when they tweeted out that uh, the, the ALS shirt that, that they did. Um, got fifty raised fifty seven thousand hundred and twenty dollars for the for charity. I was like, oh, I need to order another shirt. Which one? Oh yeah, the Wonder Franco shirt. I need that shirt, and so I now have it. How are you, bud? I'm doing fantastic, uh, especially because we have one of my favorite people in the world on the podcast. We have Sarah Sanchez. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Uh, it's lovely and sunny here at Chicago. And yesterday, the Cubs did like this dog day at Gallagher Way thing. So I was basically watching the Cubs get blown out on the big screen at Wrigley Field while I was hanging out with amazing dogs all over Gallagher Way. So, you know, half of that was wonderful. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Remind everybody where you agree on social media and then plug all you do because you got a brand new podcast that I just got to guest on. I, thank you so much for joining me for What the Fab, and I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BCB underscore Sarah. I write about the Cubs at bleedcubbyblue.com. I've also got a column at Baseball HQ this season. I'm doing the playing time tomorrow. NL East look each week, so that comes out on Saturdays. And, yeah, the new pod is called What the Fab. It's part of the Fans First Sports Network, and we're doing just a weekly deep dive into different issues and fantasy baseball, breaking them down with some of the smartest people in the industry. I'm probably going to hit up Jason to see if he'll join us later this season as well. And it's been really fun so far. What? You're you're having smart people on the podcast. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm down below the 50 feet of crap. Go ahead. (laughs) She makes makes exceptions because she had me on. So, you know. (laughs) No, Justin, I really appreciated uh, you joining us for that. It's it's been a lot of fun uh, working through all of that so far and hosting that podcast. And I think I've got um, Brian Entrican, uh, Casey Bubba on next week. So look forward to that too. Uh, Casey Bubba's everywhere. Your That'd podcast. be like his 80th podcast this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in the 12 team mixed league tout wars uh, together. And so we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into where that's going, what we're both looking for in that league. That's a fun league with some alternate categories and stuff. Yeah, that is because uh, what are the ultimate categories? It's like innings pitched. Um, I can't remember Inning, the other ones. Right? Innings pitched instead of wins, holds and saves instead of just saves, and then on base percentage instead of average. See, I love that. I do yeah. too. I love that format. It's my I, ideal setup, actually. It's the league I'm doing best in this year. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. We're gonna jo- uh, we're gonna jump in to a fab uh this week but first let's talk about some news and notes from around the uh, league uh julio urias hits the il with a hamstring injury obviously you're going to be reserving him in every format uh hopefully he won't be out for too long but that means bobby miller is gonna come up and make his debut sarah what are your thoughts on bobby miller potentially joining this dodgers rotation Yeah, Bobby Miller, and then we also have Gavin Stone coming up probably to replace Dustin May, who the Dodgers also lost to injury. You know, with all things Dodgers and starting pitching, I I just like the 
way the team manages their starting pitching. I think that they bring up guys and put them in situations to do well. They don't usually hang guys out to dry, so they're probably going to be helpful for your ratio categories at bare minimum. Um, I am looking at both of those guys. I have, I have a lot of Julio Arias. I have a lot of Dustin May, and so I'm looking for some replacements there for sure. Um, and Bobby Miller is definitely on my waterfall in a handful of leagues. Jason, weird thoughts on Gemson and Bobby Miller. I mean, you are kind of got to be the expert on starting pitching replacements being a, a Rays fan at this point. So uh, the Dodgers and the Rays, two best teams in Major League Baseball, struggling with pitching injuries right now. It sucks. Uh, I, I do like Gavin Stone better in the short term. The thing with Bobby Miller is I was looking him up when I saw the news that he's coming up. He's worked 14 innings over four outings. So they've been very cautious with how they've used him so far. So even though he's coming up to make his major league debut on Tuesday, I don't expect it to be one. Like if you're thinking right now, oh, hey, I can't get the win. He hasn't gone more than three or four, three innings in any of these. So how do you expect him to go five in his major league debut? Of course, I could be wrong. Maybe he comes out and throws a no hitter. Uh, but I'm not that interested in him right now uh, with that. Gavin Stone's the guy that I like more just because I just love the change of it. It's such a nasty, nasty pitch for him. Uh, and so that's who I want now uh, for the, but you know, long Miller's definitely has the upside, but right now it's just, he's just getting into the action and they're limiting what he can do. So uh, I'm not interested in him in the short term. To be quite honest, I'm not really interested in either in the short term. Like I, I know these are top tier prospects uh, for the Dodgers and, I think, but I think like everybody has gotten used to spending two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, like each week in Fab on guy on pitching prospects coming up because it's just been an insane season. I think this is a good week to kind of pump the brakes a little bit because while there are names that people are going to get excited about, and we're going to talk about a number of them in uh, in our Fab section, like I don't know that any of them are really that game changing or have the role that they need to in order to be game changing for fantasy. And I think Bobby Miller and what Jason pointed out in terms of how many innings he's really thrown start to start down in the minors uh, is kind of indicative of that. And so I think this is a good week to do those, you know, five, 10, $20 bids as opposed to go crazy, unless there's something you absolutely have to have on the wire. But to me, I think it's a little bit of a quieter week after what feels like every week has just been an absolute nightmare in terms of throwing money around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed it has. Although it was funny in a, in a home league in a 15 team home league, I was able to get Michael Kopech yesterday and Matthew Boyd. I needed starting. Wow. Pitching, and I was able to get both of these guys uh, because they had been cut by people that have were like, I'm done. I, I can't do it. And Kopech really did look fantastic. Cause we can you get know, Kansas city. Screw Michael Kopech. Dude has just torched my ratios in just about every league. And I put him on my bench this week in every league, and he throws an absolute gem. And you know what's going to happen? I'm going to put him in my lineup versus the Guardians, who have been like the second-worst team in baseball against right-handed yeah. pitching this year. And he's going to get torched again. Like, I just, I know it's going to happen, but I'm going to yeah, do Guardians it anyway. No home runs all year and watch. He's going to give up five yeah. to the Guardians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just... I hate that guy. It just has to that's, be that guy. That's what you get for putting your faith in the White Sox right now. And I, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that as a Cubs fan. Like, it has been rough rough sledding over there on the south side of Chicago. They're looking a little better lately. I mean, Joe Kelly yeah, they, looks lights out. Uh, they, they couldn't look you know, much worse. 
yeah, yeah. It, it, they were all the way down at the bottom, and so yeah, Joe Kelly has been pitching awesome. Uh, so it, yeah, I think he's pitching himself into quite the trade piece because Lord knows a lot of teams could use relief help <coughs> raise. Uh, so yeah, anything goes. I mean, the White Sox are the epitome of a fantasy baseball team because at the end of the draft, on paper, you go, "Man, this team looks good," and then at the end of the year, you're like, "What the hell happened?" That team looked good at the beginning of the year, and for some reason, they just can't get it together. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to another injury. Uh, Jorge Polanco to the IL, the hamstring uh, injury. Edward Julian is being brought back up. Uh, he kind of struggled in his first go-around at the major leagues and, and was uh, sent down once Polanco was ready for the start of the season. Jason, uh, are you picking up uh, Edward Julian? I don't know. Uh, you know, they, they seem to want to give time. You got Kyle Farmer. You've had Willie Castro had a hell of a week for them. Picked up three steals just hanging out in the roster. I was talking to our buddy Ian Kahn this morning about something like he picked them up for a dollar in AL labor and got three steals out of them this week. I could have used those three steals on my team. So I don't know if he's going to come up. Like you said, he had his moments uh, when he came up the first time, but overall it was what you mostly get from these rookies. So uh, this seems to be hamstring. Usually hamstring, you have to figure a month. So he could be up. I just don't know if he's going to get the everyday opportunity like he did the first time he came up. What do you think, uh, Sarah? Yeah, I agree with what Jason said. I, You know, I'm interested a little bit. The walk rate um, has been great throughout the minors. He's an on-base guy. He's going to hit for a decent amount of average, and he can he can hit some home runs for you. But I just don't know how much run he's going to get if I don't. There are some guys who I'm a little bit more interested um, in at that who are available this week at middle infielder, right? Like, I think I'm probably definitely more interested in a Matt McLean than I am in a Julian, if I'm thinking about it from that perspective. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think in on-base percentage leagues, he's pretty interesting because all he does is walk. I know he didn't really walk very much in his first major league stint, but dude has had like a 20% walk rate all throughout the minor leagues. So uh, if you're in an on-base percentage league and you need on-base percentage, maybe he's worth uh, a little bit of a gamble there. But uh, the nice thing is, because he was bad in his first go-around, he'll be really cheap and fat because everybody's going to look at those numbers and uh, from his first go-around. And, and a lot of guys struggle in that first go-around. But this is a guy who's shown a really, really uh, elite ability to uh, take pitches and get on base. So, if, yeah, if you're looking for that on a base percentage and maybe some runs scored, it might be interesting. But... I don't know. I just I don't know that he in your standard formats he's going to get enough playing time consistently or you know have a carrying tool in fantasy that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Gary Sanchez called up to the New York Mets, heading back to New York, just to the other team in New York. Sarah, any interest in Gary Sanchez? You know. Gary Sanchez could not get anyone to express any interest in him at all this offseason. And he ha really struggled in the World Baseball Classic. He's had some issues um, hitting and, you know, just like really showing that power tool that he had with the Yankees when he first came up in the past few seasons. And yet with the Mets in AAA, he was slashing 308, 514, 500. The Mets need offense. And he's like, they've just been running through catchers. It seems like they, they need the backup. They need the bat. I think Gary Sanchez is going to get a little bit of a run here. And you could do worse. There's not a lot out there in terms of catchers on the waiver wire. Jason, any interest in Gary Sanchez? Uh, 
I think the here's my thing. I think uh, or I feel the Mets are interested in him because they really need him more behind the plate than at the plate. They are their catchers. Everybody's running on that team. They are. Uh, they have thrown out seven of 44 stolen base attempts. And the other night, the Rays stole seven bases off of Francisco Alvarez and whoever was on the mound. So it's like I always, I don't always want to blame the catcher. It, it is a pitcher-catcher equation, so the pitchers de- deserve some of that blame. That said, seven for seven the Rays were uh, against Alvarez. So they need – and Sanchez is at least good at that. Uh, so that's why I feel that he's up more so than the bat. You know, Sarah mentioned he did well in Syracuse, but he did terrible in Sacramento when your Giants let him go. So it's like, you know, who knows? But if he can if he can show that he can control the running game more than uh, anybody else has, then he may get more at bats. But that said, he's still going to hit down in the lineup. Uh, But, you know, the Mets have had a hell of a week with uh, comeback wins. And, uh, you know, Pete Alonso, like Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge are just like, you know, I'm (laughs) Hold my beer. I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And both these guys have been doing what everybody wants them to do um, when they're not playing your favorite teams. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sanchez, I think is really interesting, is, uh, you know, C2 in deeper league. Obviously, your 10 and 12 team leagues, he's probably not viable. But, uh, you could do worse since, you know, than Gary Sanchez. Like, you know, Mike Zanino has just been absolutely atrocious and, He's rostered in the vast majority of main event leagues for some reason. So uh, <clears throat> I would uh, I would be uh, switching him out for Gary Sanchez. We know there's power in the bat. Uh, I think that the Mets are gonna play him. They you know brought him up to the uh, the major leagues because they didn't want him to opt out of his minor league contract, which right. uh, was only ten days long. So yeah, I think there's a I think there's a chance that uh, Sanchez could find some of that old glory a little bit, and at worst, you just stream him out if he's uh, you know striking out at a thirty percent rate and hitting two twenty. All right, uh, Clint Frazier got called up by the White Sox. I don't know who put this on the sheet. So Jason, why why do we care? So he's actually been raking down here in Charlotte. Uh, And so there was a good article by James Fegan from The Athletic talked and they had uh, talked to hitting coach Cam Seitzer here in Charlotte, talked about what some of the improvements that Frazier had made. If you have been a Clint Frazier fan, um, all three of you at this point who's left, he's always had he's kind of had that that. Giancarlo Stanton thing at the plate where his front leg is closed and he usually has that toe tap. And even when I saw him play in person last week here in Charlotte, cause Durham was in town. I wanted to go see, he still has that front toe up, but he's, he's changed his leg where he's not closed anymore. And that's what the article cam sites are pointed out. Yeah. He said, you know, when you're closed like that, there's only one direction for you to go uh, linear and you can really get jammed on inside stuff. If you're closed like that, unless you're opening up. So they've worked on his leg work and his, his numbers and triple a here have just been outstanding uh, with that. And so he's earned his promotion. You look at the white Sox, as Sarah mentioned, you know, they've had their issues. Uh, and at a at worst case, Frazier ends up in a platoon situation out in right field with Gavin sheets uh, in that situation. But, you know, Frazier, has the pedigree it's like every year we have somebody that comes out of nowhere and does something that we've written off um if these changes are for real and they can stick at the major league level uh and in that ballpark perhaps there's something there but i bring them up for al only folks i'm not talking to you mixed leaguers forget it um but al only folks it's worth it i will say in tal wars he's already on like mike podhorser had him on a roster i guess he took him when he was in the rangers system uh this you know during spring training or something because i went to look this morning i'm like oh wow he's still sitting on somebody's team so he has them. 
uh, there. Or he picked him up a few weeks ago and, and took a zero in that week. But So he's already rostered net. I would expect him to be bid on in labor uh, tonight uh, because there's a few teams hurting for power. Me too. Um, and uh, go from there. So that's why I put him there. And I probably should have put Greg Allen down there as well, only because the Yankees finally DFA'd Aaron Hicks. And mm-hmm. Greg Allen's 23 for 23 in steals uh, in AAA this year. So that's notable uh, with that. So you know, bringing up these two names as as people that for ale only folks to uh to have action on tonight because you know hicks was playing as yankee fans can attest to hicks was playing more than anybody wanted him to and so perhaps allen can do that but it at least gives them another weapon for stealing bases as they have been very aggressive uh this season doing with volpe and anybody else who's wanted to run they've given them the chance so greg allen could come up and be a nice source of steals even though there's really nothing else there uh in his game Sarah, do you care about uh, Clint Frazier or Greg Allen, for that matter? Post, 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 post hype, Clint Frazier. I mean, I I was excited about Clint Frazier when the Cubs signed him last offseason, and I thought that he was going to give Ian Happ a little bit of a run for his mm-hmm. money in left field. That did not happen. Ian Happ put up career numbers in Clint Frazier slash Jackson Frazier. Uh, he changed his name midway through the season um, and went back to Clint Frazier after that. Uh, couldn't get much playing time there. I think I'm out on both of these guys at the moment, except in AL only situations and definitely agree with Jason on that. I I think there are some names that we're about to talk about who are as interesting that probably have more steady playing time coming their way. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, for the most, I mean, outside of AL only probably don't really care about these guys and, and really in AL only, don't care that much about Frazier either. I just uh, he's got to show me something at the major league level before I'm willing to even take the gamble on him. Greg Allen is a little bit more interesting in, in in really really deep leagues because of that speed component because he can be a game changer and plays he plays good defense so that might get him into the lineup uh, a little bit more often than uh, I would expect with Frazier. All right, Tyler Glass now is starting a rehab today. Sarah, are you excited? Very excited because I am the girl who drafted Glass now in a couple of NFBC leagues and have been staring at him on my bench for <laughs> way too long right now. Um, but the reason I'm excited about this is because Glass now is one of a handful of pitchers sitting out there injured. Carlos Rodon is probably the other who can really impact your starting rotation without costing you $250 plus of your fab budget. And I am, for anybody who has been waiting for Glass now to come back, waiting for Radone to come back, I mean, these guys can impact your lineup just as much as if you had won the bidding on a Yuri Perez or just as much, maybe more than if you had won the bidding on anybody except maybe Bryce Miller. So I'm very excited to see what Glass now has. I hope that he's healthy and I hope that he sticks in the raise rotation for the rest of the season, because God knows I've got a couple of teams that really need those wins and strikeouts. Jason, you got to be excited because I got one team that really needs the services and it's my real team, not my fantasy team. I actually don't have them anywhere in the the league, but uh, I have one team that really could really use the services uh, with that. I just hope, you know, just staring at it, Ian and I were talking about them earlier because Ian has them in, uh, XFL, uh, and it, it, Ian and I are one, two in the XFL league. So it's like, he already has a good pitching staff and he's got glass now coming back. He's like, Hey, could you let me know how he looks in rehab today? Because when the, you know, when he got hurt, he, the rehab start was here in Charlotte, the one he left after one inning. Uh, and a friend of mine was there and he's like, oh, I saw him screaming in the dugout. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, and so the last outing he was out four innings. 
he went for. So hopefully today it looks good because that would put him on. Uh, this will be his last one. He should be active this coming weekend against the Dodgers uh, would be his first matchup. So that'll be, you know, right there, uh, you know, baptism by fire, come back up and, and get uh, a lineup that's been putting a hurting on, on some teams uh, there. So that'll be a, an interesting series uh, you know, to watch. So I'm excited for him to get back. I know a lot of people have been waiting. Originally when this happened, we did, we did talk about like Mother's Day weekend. And if it wasn't for, the setback, he may have made it right there. So mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be the end of the month. But uh, you, if you remember, the early timeline was the beginning of May. And as we often preach on this podcast, never trust the first timeline. It's never right. So it's you know it ended up being close to the end of the month. But you know, it's again, the setback is what pushed it back a little bit. So this is why I've always uh, proselytized about adding that two to three weeks on the original timeline just to be safe. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I need him back in Tout Wars. Uh, I, you know, I, I still regret to this moment, uh, this moment, uh, taking him, knowing that he was going to be out for a little while. Uh, and but, you know, it'll be it'll be nice. Uh, a little bit of uh, addition. Uh, the Rays need him back more than any fantasy team does. I don't care how bad your fantasy team has been in pitching. Uh, you know, I just be cautious with him early on. I don't know how aggressive the Rays are going to be in terms of letting him go. They they may need to because they probably need the innings for his, uh, their starting pitchers, but, uh, you know, he's a guy who just can't stay healthy. Dude just can't stay on the mound, which is a problem. Uh, Hunter Gaddis is starting for the Guardians Monday, and I don't know why Jason put this on the sheet, so... I'll tell you why I put it on the sheet, because that's not how you spell Gavin Williams. That's why I put it on the sheet. There were a lot of people looking at it saying, ooh, this should be Gavin Williams. Gavin Williams is coming up. Well, Gavin Williams is not coming up. Hunter Gaddis is. You don't want any part of Hunter Gaddis. If if you've been stashing Gavin Williams, you're like – I don't understand what Cleveland's doing here. We talked about they're already struggling, you know, offensively. They're not hitting. Yeah, they're stealing bases. But that's about all they're doing. They're have they've had problems with pitching. Uh, they've had problems at the back end of the bullpen. Class A has looked uh, normal this year. Karinchak has been worse. Uh, and then they've got this great pitching prospect down there, and they're calling up Hunter Gaddis. And I know that we just what two weeks ago uh, before the Mother's Day break, we were talking about Cleveland brings these guys up. They trust. We should believe in Cleveland. But Gavin Williams is the guy that should be coming up, and the guy just keeps shoving down in the minors. And here we get we get uh, Hunter Gaddis. So I, that's why I put it down there because I know a lot of people were looking at it like this could be the week Gavin Williams. Well, it's not going to be Monday. Well, yeah, and but stash him. If you can, stash him right now because I do think he's going to be up here pretty quickly. So, uh, like I said, Gavin Williams is is pitching really, really well down in AAA. So uh, I would expect him to be up at some point. The The Guardians are finally moving their, their young guys up and – uh, I think Gavin Williams is going to be the next one. So save your money and fab this week, so that way you can spend it on Gavin Williams next week or the week after when he is finally up. Uh, Jason, you put a couple of tweets into the uh, into the sheet that are really really interesting. So I'm going to let you talk about those real quick. Yeah, real quick, just on the the stats. You know, or you folks will remember I was doing daily updates in March April. Now it's more of a weekly uh, look just to see how the stats are holding up. And so really in May, what we're seeing so far in May compared to the first month using March, April, since you know, it was two days of March. Uh, but the, the ball is starting to travel more. We're seeing a home run. The fly ball rate got, went from 12-2 to 12-4. 
Uh, we're seeing that the barrels are up a bit from five, 5.5 to 5.7%. Uh, stolen bases are settling down a little bit, 79% successful to 78% successful, and the attempts are, are down 1.5% uh, from there. So we're starting... Uh, but the other piece of it is starting pitching is getting a little better this month. And I don't know if that's if, if that is from using more openers, because in March, in the first month of the season, the ERA for starting pitching was 455. And this month it's 436. Uh, but relief then relief has been flatlined. But the difference with uh, starting pitching is the Babbitt went from 303 to 293. Uh, but the strikeout minus walk percentage from 14.1 to 13.5. So it's like they're not doing that much better. Uh, in that, it's in, in some scales, but the ERA has come down. And some of that gets down to uh, teams are starting to get a little more comfortable with uh, defensive positioning because the BABIP on pulled and straightaway ground balls has come down from 217 to 227 to 219. Um, and so the you, you're seeing a little more positioning of what teams can get away with there. So that's happening. And then I did, uh, I've been looking at homers and uh, net steals, and I added net homers. Uh, so net steals is looking at, the amount of stolen bases a team generates offensively versus what they give up as a as defensively. And the best team in the league right now in that regard for net steals is Arizona. Arizona has thrown out 14 of 29 attempted stolen bases and they are 30 and they are uh, 37 of 44 themselves uh, running that. So they have a net uh, net stolen base of 29. That's best in baseball. Conversely, the other end of that is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are uh, eight of 61 in throwing guys out. Uh, and they have stolen, uh, they are 20 of 28 themselves. So they have a net of minus 33. Uh, and so that's the other end of that spectrum uh, there. But on the home run side, I did the same thing with home runs. The Dodgers are a plus 22 on home runs. And that's not the best in the league. The best in the league is, at, uh, is my team, uh, who has given up 40 has uh, allowed 48 fewer home runs than they've hit. The Rays have hit 90 home runs to lead all of baseball, and they've allowed 42. Next is Atlanta. Atlanta has hit 76 and allowed 38. Um, so they're next. So I put that both those tweets are up if you want to take a look at those charts and see how your favorite team uh, is doing in that regard. Some of them are green, some of them are red, uh, but you can take a look and see how some of those are doing. But I think for me, stolen bases is the big thing this year because that's why we're seeing these more we're seeing more runners in scoring position. Hence, we're seeing the ERA higher. You know, again, I said earlier, the league starting pitcher ERA is is for this month is 438. Um, you know, last year we're like, we're cutting anybody that's over a four. And this year it's like 420. Eh, that's not that high, pun intended. Sarah, it looks like you had something to say. Oh, I just wanted to, this is great. I particularly love like the net stolen base, net home run information. I think that's really interesting. But one of the things that this jives with some research that I was just doing um, on the Cubs, looking at their stolen rate, stolen base game period, like when they're running and why and what types of situations. And the Cubs really look like a team right now that certain guys have green lights and they've got, uh, if you have a catcher behind the plate who has a pop time that is two seconds or higher, they are going to run on you. They ran so much against the Dodgers earlier this season. The vast majority of the stolen bases that the Cubs have this season came against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, admittedly, that was when Will Smith was on the concussion IL, but I, I just, teams are running against the Dodgers, and I think you can kind of stream stolen bases against them, particularly with a dude like Cindergard on the mound. Oh, yeah. yeah you get absolutely. any catcher plus Cindergard, and it's there. Like, and Christian Javier is another guy with Houston. It doesn't matter who's there. Uh, he's struggling to do the same thing as well. I mean, the Dodgers – 
Nobody else, when I'm looking at the chart that I've put together, no other team has allowed more than 48 stolen base. Stolen base is, yes. Uh, so the, the White Sox are, they've uh, had 48 bases stolen against them, and they've caught 10. The Dodgers have had 61 bases stolen against them, and they've caught eight. So that is the that is the biggest. Uh, nobody else is nobody else is over that. So like everybody is. You, uh, people will remember that series against the Pirates, where the Pirates were running all over the Dodgers. Uh, and Jiwon Bay had a bunch of steals, but I think they had 12 steals um, over the three game series. I'm you know I'm excited to see what my team can do against the Dodgers this weekend if they get on base because they do like the run uh, and they will uh, you know they just stole seven against Francisco Alvarez uh, earlier this week in that stupid loss. So yeah. All right, let's uh, let's jump into some Sunday fab. Uh, I think the big name this week is Matthew Liberatore, uh, who came up and uh, looked pretty good in his uh, season debut. Liberatore has struggled since becoming like a top tier pitching prospect uh, in the minors, and then in a brief uh, kind of uh, call up uh, last season in the majors. But he's added some velocity. Looks like a different pitcher. Sarah, any interest in Matthew Liberatore this week? I have interest in Matthew Liberatore, but I don't think I am going to get him anywhere because my interest is capped and the market for starting pitching has been ridiculous. I We have a handful of names here that we're going to run through and there's a theme that I noticed with all of them, which is that all of these guys walk too many batters. It's almost like the elite starting pitcher prospects have already been called up and the dudes who have some walk issues and some command issues, that is the tier of pitchers that we are getting right now. And I just have a hunch that the fab market is not going to recognize that distinction. And these guys are still going to go for 190, 200, because people need those innings and they're looking for those wins. And you're going to get guys who walk a ton more guys. So with Matthew Liebertor, the last time he came through the league, he was walking 11.2% of the batters he faced. He got that down to 9.2% in AAA this time around. The Ks look good. I can't imagine that I am going to put down enough fab to get Libertor anywhere. I do have him uh, as a $1 auto new dude in our podcasters auto auto new league. And I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah. $1. That's, that's not bad, but yeah, I think he's going to go for hundred, 200 uh, bucks this week in fab. I'm just not willing to do that, especially because I don't really trust the Cardinals and that's not something I'm normally saying, you know, in, in a regular season. Uh, but they have just been really, really weird this year. There's talking about that they may pitch him out of the bullpen today, which means while he will get a start sometime next week, we don't know when it is uh, and who it's going to be against. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not super interested uh, unless I can get him for cheaply. And like you said, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Jason, any interest in Libertor for you? So folks may not remember, he's the guy that the Rays traded to get Randy Rosarena. That was the, mm -hmm. the big thing. And for the big difference in, in Libertor this year has been a fastball. And when I say a fastball, it really didn't have one, much of one. The velocity wasn't there. He's added more strength. It was a good article in MLB this week. It talked about uh, he was eating like 4,300 calories a day uh, to try to build up the strength so he wasn't wearing down in the season. But he's now throwing a fastball in the mid to upper 90s where he was sitting low 90s. I mean, the, he's always had a great curveball, always had it. Uh, but the fastball wasn't there. And so I remember we were talking about him at first pitch Florida um, and just talking through uh, some things. And people were like, 
you know, what's happened? This guy was supposed to be good, but nothing's there. And then he is surprised with the fastball uh, velocity. And that's been the big difference for him. He now, it used to be spit on the curveball. Yeah, it was a great pitch, but, you know, try to avoid it and make him come into the strike zone with the fastball and jump on that. Uh, and now that he's got velocity, he can come at, come with the fastball. And it's not the kind of pitch you want to sit out there and, and hunt. So I am, I'm with you in that I don't, I'm not going to be dropping $200 bids, uh, mainly because I've been aggressive in free agent, uh, free agent process throughout the year. And so I'm already like over halfway burnt in a lot of my stuff. And so I don't want to go out and be like, hey, you know, here, not to mention, you know, St. Louis isn't a great team right now. Uh, and so where are you going to be? Yeah, I might get some strikeouts. I may have some decent ratios, but I'm, I'm tired of no decisions. I need to get wins. Uh, and so this isn't the kind of uh, this isn't the kind of thing I want to settle for. I want to see what I can do. Uh, what else may be coming up? That's the other issue Sarah alluded to is like we've already seen the first wave. Uh, this is the next wave. I don't know if there's another wave. I don't pitching machines may have to be it. I keep making that joke, but you know, if we don't see injuries go down, we may have coach pitch. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't know. If but if you're sitting on money, this is the type of guy that you need to do. But if you're you know, like me and you've been aggressive, I don't know if you want to uh, you know, you can you can budget your way the rest of the year, but if you're sitting on a lot of money, you're running out of and you're hurting and pitching, you are running out of options to spend that money on. Now, I will say the Cardinals have been much better as of late. I mean, they've really started to dig themselves out of the hole they put themselves in. And luckily for for the Cardinals, uh, no other team in the Central has really kind of differentiated themselves from the rest of the pack. So, uh, you know, somehow they're you know, sitting only about what four or uh, five games back from that division lead at this point. Uh, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing considering how awful they started the season. Uh, next guy on the list is Brandon Williamson, another NL Central pitcher. Uh, Williamson is another former top prospect uh, that really struggled with command and control and kind of lost a lot of that uh, prospect shine. Uh, Jason, any interest in him? He just threw a gem in Colorado. I, and that was, I remember reading some things like, oh, we're calling up Brandon Williamson. Oh, we're putting him in Colorado. Oh, man, why are you doing that to the guy? And, hey, look at that. Uh, you know, he was the he was one of the – maybe the centerpiece in the Luis Castillo trade uh, for him. I do have him in an 18-team keeper league. Uh, I, I drafted him in the minor league for a, uh, phase last year, and he was the only pitching prospect I kept. Uh, so I do like him. I just don't like that he has to pitch for Cincinnati. <laughs> and he got away with it, and he got away with it in in Colorado. But it's you know Cincy. It's going to get warm, and I don't like where he has to pitch uh, for that. But I did I did keep him. So it's like in an eighteen team league. There's your context. I would have been, you know, I kept him in that format. In a fifteen team, I'm going to let somebody else be the bigger spender. Uh, and that's where I cut it off. I don't have any interest in a 12-team uh, mixed. And then if we get to NL only, I, I don't know if you have to. Uh, you're running out of options. Um, so you can take a chance to see where things go. But just understand that you may have missed. You didn't even get a win in that outing uh, with that. So it was a no decision there uh, to that point. But he does have talent in the pedigree. And he's not a – I mean, he's 25. So he's not uh, a young kid. He just turned 25 uh, in April 2nd when I look over here. He's got a two-start week versus St. Louis and Sarah's Chicago Cubs. Any interest in Brandon Williamson, Sarah? I think the Cardinals and the Cubs both have pretty hot offenses right now, and I am not 
interested in seeing what Brandon Williamson does against either of those offenses. Part of the problem here, and Jason nailed it, like the, the team context is just not great. Great American ballpark is not a great place to pitch. The Reds are not particularly adept at developing pitching. I mean, if you go look at his minor league numbers, his K minus BB rate has basically collapsed from his time with the Mariners to his time with the Reds. And that walk rate is in double digits. You can't walk guys like that at great American ballpark and expect to do wonderful things. So I'm probably out on Williamson. I imagine he's going to go for a pretty penny and fab and I'll put maybe 24, $36, something like that on there. And I won't get him. That's out of a thousand. Yes. Out of a thousand, yes. This is not out of a hundred. Yeah, sorry, I'm talking well, NFC, sure people NFC to fab budgets. No, no, I'm not in any of the old school one hundred dollar fab budget leagues. And gotcha. here's the thing: they're going up against, uh, or he's going up against the Cardinals and the Cubs this week. Uh, one at home, one in Chicago uh, versus the Cubs. And what do both of those teams do? Uh, uh, or aside from uh, being really hot right now, they murder left-handed pitching. Like they they murder left-handed pitching, and uh, this is a guy who he's got really good stuff and rarely can command and control it. I know the first start was good; it was especially good being in Colorado. But uh, no thanks. I just uh, you know, even if I put some bids on him, there's no way I'm starting him this week. So uh, if you're in a position where it's like, oh, when I pick up a guy, I've got to start him, then. No, don't don't bid on Brandon Williams. Yeah, this isn't the week to do that. <laughs> uh, next guy on the list, moving away from the starting pitchers, Jared Walsh uh, is going to be coming back here. He has uh, been on the IL with headaches. Uh, it seems like he's doing better uh, in that he's going to get back in this potent Angels offense. Any interest in Jared Walsh, Sarah? Yeah, I do have some interest in Jared Walsh, particularly if you need a corner that he's got some power. He's projected for about 280 to 330 additional plate appearances uh, this season, depending on which projection system you're using with double digit home runs out of those. It is interesting though, and it's hard to see what his return is going to look like. I think with injuries, we oftentimes look for comparisons with other people who had that injury, right? So you're like, oh, this is what it means to come back from Tommy John. If you're a position player, this is what it means to come back from Tommy John, if you're a pitcher. And this is such a weird injury in terms of the headaches and insomnia issues and some of the neurological issues that Walsh was dealing with that I think it's really difficult to predict what that is going to look like. So I would would urge some caution there, but I do think that he is worth it if you need power and you have a corner and field spot open. What about you, Jason? You know, if you were carrying Jake Lamb, you know, those types of things in, in a shallow league, I honestly don't have interest uh, in Jared Walsh, unless it's the deepest of mixed leagues, uh, you know, he does not hit lefties. He's going to be in a platoon situation uh, there, even in that good lineup. So uh, to me, it's an AL only option uh, with him. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, he did, he struggled, la- he struggled last year. Uh, you know, he did have the big year in 21, but last year just really wasn't good. Even against righties, he hit 220. Uh, and so, you know, like we don't have a good baseline, as Sarah said, we don't have a good baseline of what, uh, what he can potentially come back from. He is in a good situation, but there's no way he's going to hit any higher than six in that lineup. I don't see anybody in front of him moving uh, within that lineup. So if those guys get on base, he has the opportunities for some RBI damages as long as against righties. But again, he's going to be limited in his playing time because of his inability to hit lefties. 
Yeah, I don't know how interested I am. I mean, on top of not having a good baseline for guys coming back from, you know, migraines and insomnia, he also had thoracic outlet surgery in the offseason. And, like, there's no real data on that for hitters. We have data on it for pitchers. It's not usually very good for pitchers, but we don't really know what it does uh, for hitters because there hasn't been that many guys who've come back from it uh, as hitters. So, I, I mean, outside of, yeah, really, really deep, kind of $1 gambles. I just don't know that I'm that interested in Jared Walsh. What about Jake Berger, though, who has been just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball? Uh, and this is a former top-tier prospect. He was a first-round pick that just had his entire career early on derailed by just really, really bad injuries. Healthy now, he looks like he's playing full-time or pretty close to full-time in Chicago for the White Sox. Jason, any interest in Jake Berger? Yeah, I love Rick Berger. Uh, it's I got to see him a bunch here in Charlotte. He was here you know, often during rehab uh, or b- before the in between the injuries. The guy can hit. He can flat out hit. He doesn't look like a, a baseball, but he looks like Lance Lynn with a bat. But he can flat out hit, and the DH is a perfect spot for him. And he's had the opportunity. The I was looking. The White Sox have had him all over the lineup, uh, depending on things. He's hit anywhere from second. Uh, where he's hitting today. He hit eighth earlier this week, uh, and both of those were against right-handed pitchers. So he hit eighth on this Tuesday and Wednesday, and he's hitting second today. He hit six. He hit cleanup against the lefty. So they, they use him all over the place. The good news is he's hitting every day. The bad news is it's like, where are we going to put him? Uh, you know, they keep trying to move him around, but the guy just rakes. You look at his, you look at the numbers, and yeah, he's getting killed on changeups. That the off-speed stuff, league's killing it. But he's hitting 351 with an expected batting average of 341 on fastballs, 333 when expected at 343 against breaking balls. So he's getting that done. It's the off-speed stuff that that's been hurting him. But he does go up there hunting for fastballs uh, with that. And I've always been impressed with his ability to hit the baseball hard. Saw it a bunch here live in Charlotte. Uh, and I have him. I'm carrying him in two leagues because just what I took him in the reserves earlier this uh, you know in the off-season. And it, it's paying out. And again, pedigree-wise, first-round pick from 2017. That's how long these injuries have been bothering mm-hmm. him. First-rounder from 2017. But, yeah, if you're if he's somehow still out there on the free agent pile and you're hurting for power, like this is a priority for you. It, for those who don't know uh, his history, he tore his uh, Achilles. And then once he rehabbed back from it, he tore the other one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, both of them. I mean, just unbelievably uh, unlucky in terms of just, you know, that's not usually a baseball injury that we're dealing with very often. It's more of a football thing. But for him to make his way back and be productive is really impressive. Sarah, any interest in Berger? I really like Jake Berger. I agree with everything that Jason said. I've gotten to watch him a bunch uh, here out in Chicago, and I've gone down to the south side to watch the White Sox. And I think the only concern is playing time when Aloy Jimenez comes back, but Aloy Jimenez gets hurt all the time. So Jake Berger is a perfect guy to slot into there when Aloy is on the injured list for whatever random thing is going to impact Aloy later in the season. Uh, he looks like he's got as much power as Walsh, power potential as Walsh does and fewer plate appearances. And I think those plate appearances are going to go up just because the White Sox have a hard time staying on the field. So, yes, I absolutely love Jake Berger. You know, not to mention, like, at what point do the White Sox just say, like, Yon Moncada is just not a thing anymore? Like, uh, I mean, and the White Sox have made comments about Berger, like, staying in the lineup once everybody gets back uh, just because he he deserves it. So, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Berger fan. My only regret 
uh, with him is that I dropped him when he went on the IL uh, a few weeks back uh, just because I couldn't hold him on my rosters. And I could really use Jake Berger on a couple teams right now. So. I was trying to think, like, is you know, with Moncada, fair point, but let's not forget they have a guarantee. They have got to pay him guaranteed through next season, and then there's a club option in 2025. I was wondering, like, is is Moncada at second base purely a dead option? But he hasn't played there since 2018. Uh, because uh, yeah, Ber- Berger's played more second base than Moncada. <laughs> Berger looked good at third base uh, from the games yeah. I watched him play. I mean, it's not a, it's not the prettiest throwing motion, but it works. Uh, and like I said, he he hits, and they they're clearly trying to find a way to keep him in the lineup. Sarah brings a fair point up with once Jimenez comes off the IL, where do you keep Berger? Uh, but they got to keep him somewhere. I mean, the, the offense, the offense needs him because they, they have all these other issues in that lineup. Uh, Grandall is not getting it done again this year. And uh, yeah, they, they need, they need power. Last time I looked, uh, the three of us have one fewer home run than Tim Anderson does in his last 400 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. The three of us. So yeah. we got that going for us, which is nice. And keep the Eloy, uh, you know, thoughts kind of in your mind, because there was a report yesterday that Eloy is ahead of schedule returning back from his appendectomy. So uh, it sounds like he might be here in the next week or two. Uh, moving right along, we have uh, we have Matt McLean, who Sarah mentioned earlier as a guy that might be interesting to pick up as Hunter Green gives up yet another home run uh, to Cincinnati, or sorry, to the Yankees um, in Cincinnati. Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on Matt McLean? Is he a guy that you're interested in picking up right now? I think Matt McLean is the guy to focus on in Fab this week. I think he's going to go for about the same amount of money that Christopher Morrell went for in leagues last year. And I think that he, I would rather spend that money on Matt McLean than on Christopher Morrell, just because I have, I have playing time concerns with Christopher Morrell. I have watched the Cubs choose to start Miles Mastroboni or Nick Madrigal ahead of Christopher Morrell for hashtag reasons for like a, almost a full season now. And so I don't think that's going to happen with Matt McLean. I think that Matt McLean is going to get a bunch of run on a Reds team where they need to see what they have there. I think he's got double digit steals projections from almost every system and he's had a good start so far. He's hitting 267, 389, 400 middle infielder has been a hard place to get guys that you can just plug in and watch them go. And I have a lot of interest in Matt McLean. So if I was in a league and I really needed seals, I really needed a guy who could hit for average, and I missed out on Christopher Morrell last week, I think Matt McLean is the dude for you. And I think that you need to look at the bidding that went for Christopher Morrell and plug that number in for Matt McLean. Jason? Agree with her. Uh, because, you know, Morrell, he actually, you know, his performance this week has absolutely justified the the numbers people were paying last week. I tried and I, I got shut out uh, on Morrell and I was rather aggressive and I tried. Uh, I will try to do the same with McLean in my home, uh, my 15 team OBP league. He went $221, I think, last night. We do ours on Saturday night, but he went $221 uh, last night. There were multiple big bids uh, in on him. But I mean, he was having an impressive year down in AAA for folks who didn't see what his numbers were down there. He was triple slashing 348, 474. That's his on base, not his slugging. 474 on base and 710 slug with 10 steals down there and 12 home runs. It's like, it's been like, what took so long to get him up here uh, with that? But he has been, you've looked at his stolen bases uh, since the start of last season 37 of 45 in stolen bases. Now, last year he struggled, had a 
contact was a big problem last year, striking out 28% of the time, but he's down to 20% of the time, making the jump from double A to triple A, which we don't normally see. We normally see that go the other direction, but he was doing better this year. So he should be up to stay. Lord knows Cincinnati could use that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us are, are taking the big L on Will Myers going to Cincinnati. Like, hey, that's going to be a great thing. Will Myers has sucked. Uh yeah, sucked. I just traded him an XFL. I was just like, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Let him, let, if he can succeed, let somebody else have him. Uh, but uh, so he should be up to stay. And I would agree with Sarah. Uh, this, this should be the top dollar guy for fab this weekend. Yeah, I agree with you guys. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned by and interested to see is, are they going to use him against left-handed pitching? Now, he is a righty, so you would think, oh, of course they're going to use him against left-handed pitching. But the one game he didn't play this week was against the lefty. It was their only lefty they faced. They go up against three lefties in their four first four games against the Cardinals this week. So is this a matter of they want to get Kevin Newman in against lefties for some odd reason? I don't <laughs> know. But it is something to kind of keep an eye on and monitor. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they're doing, but... You know, if they say, well, we want to get Kevin Newman in against lefties, then Matt McLean becomes, for some reason, a weird strong side platoon player. Uh, and that becomes a little bit less interesting. My hope is that he is the full time player. Maybe that was just an aberration. It's a fair point because the you know, he is he has hit second every game this week against the righty and then he sits against the lefty. Yep. And they, they use Jose Barrero as shortstop the one day. So it is something to watch this week. But it's like it, I guess that's the tax you pay for picking them up this week. Is you may have to take a, a, a light week of stats if they have three lefties this week. Uh, but it's it's a long term play. This isn't a, just a one week thing. I mean, this is a long term play. It's ho hopefully you're picking up somebody here that you can just use the rest of the season because there's just not a lot of left handed pitching uh, that's happening out there right now. And you know, heck, my team went almost a month between facing left handed starters. They went from Nick Lodolo. They faced three lefties in the last like 35 days. Well, there's not a lot of left-handed pitching in the NL Central period. Yes. It's it's one of those divisions that just doesn't have a ton of lefties in it. And also, like, I agree with you that it's definitely something to keep an eye on that he's already sat against a lefty and we should watch it. And also, like, nobody needs to see more of Kevin Newman. Like, come on, Cincinnati. Just let us watch the kids play. But I think this is also something to keep in mind because TJ Friedel is going to be back soon. And when that happens, then Jose Barrero can't play a center anymore. Uh, and so they're going to need to send someone down. They probably should send down either Kevin Newman or Jose Barrero, but the Reds are a weird organization that does weird things. We really thought at this point, especially with how well they're hitting, that Incarcio uh, 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 Strand uh, and Elliot LaCruz would be up. So they're not even up yet. So I, I, I'm, I would be aggressive too on Matt McClain because I do think he's going to be uh, a pretty interesting player, especially if he continues to hit second in that lineup. But I definitely want to kind of express those caveats that there are some playing time concerns that I don't think uh, that I got some pushback from in a couple of my articles. But there could be playing time concerns down the road, and we want to we want to kind of uh, you know point those out when we do potentially see them. Uh, next guy on the list is Paul DeYoung. Old friend of the show, Paul DeYoung, uh, who has been really, really good in St. Louis since getting called up. Jason, what are your thoughts on Paul DeYoung? He has played himself into an everyday role. I mean, early on, it was just lefties. He was short side platooning, but he has been in the lineup every single day this week, hitting anywhere from fifth to eighth. 
uh, and hitting seventh the last four days. So with a better performing offense and the fact he's in there every day, my interest in him certainly has moved up from where it was. I believe we talked about him a few weeks ago, and the mm -hmm. concern was you know, he just wasn't in there every day. He was only facing the lefties. But now that he's in there every day, yeah, uh, I'm back in, especially uh, the, the same theme we've used. If I'm hurting for power, he's somebody that we can look at. We did talk about uh, – was it this – when did he work on – he worked on the swing change this winter, yes? Or was that – that was thank he, you, sir. He, yeah, I remember he, he worked. He's, uh, he's done it every year. That's every year, but it was a big thing yeah. where he was working this year, and it, so he's already equaled his home run total from last year in about a third of the playing time. He had six home runs and two hundred thirty-seven PA last year. He's got six and eighty-four. It almost works out perfectly to a third. So maybe we're starting to see the fruits of that labor pay off uh, in that regard for him. But again, the fact that he's in there every day now and he's somebody that has shown power upside, even. You know, outside of the bouncy ball, yeah, the 30 came in 2019, but he did have 19 in not even full-time duty just two seasons ago. So, uh, yes, I have more interest in it. His, his story has definitely changed. Sarah, any interest in Paul DeYoung? Do you have interest in Paul DeYoung? And I think he's not going to cost you anywhere near as much as Matt McLean is for a ton of homers. Uh, he's The hard hit rate is back for Paul DeYoung, and it's better than ever. It's up to 48.1% this season compared to 37.6% last season, 35.3% the season before that. He is hitting 406 against fastballs right now, and he was hitting 183 against fastballs a year ago. Now, at some point, he is going to stop seeing as many fastballs, and he's not doing the same amount of damage on breaking or off-speed stuff so far this season. He's hitting 161 versus breaking stuff and 167 versus off-speed stuff this season. But for right now, I think you just write it. He's hunting fastballs and he's doing damage on them. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to believe that this is him becoming a thing again. I'm really, really skeptical of it. On the plus side, the zone contact is up to almost league average. He's not swinging outside the zone as much. Swinging strike rate is down a little bit. But like though, like it's not like he is making elite zone contact or even great zone contact. It's not like swing strike rate is down a ton. It still is around fourteen percent, and he's still striking out at a twenty-seven percent rate. Like this feels like the same Paul DeYoung who just is going through a little bit of a hot streak, uh, and that that'll probably cool off at some point and he'll go back to being a bench player. But if you want to stream it for while it's here. I got no problem with that. Cardinals are playing better right now. He's playing every day. It makes a lot of sense. But I don't don't think that this is a long-term solution for your fantasy team because I think Paul DeYoung's probably going to go back to just being Paul DeYoung, uh, which hurts me um, as a longtime fan. Um, uh, Jazz Chisholm went on the IL, so we got to talk about uh, potential re uh, replacements because also uh, Jesus Sanchez went on the IL for the Marlins. Uh, so I put Peyton Burdick on the uh, the rundown, and then Sarah added Xavier Edwards. Uh, so Sarah, give me your thoughts on these two guys. Who are you interested in? Well, so they're both very different players, right? Like Peyton Burdick is a power guy. Uh, he's got a crazy high K percentage. He strikes out. He struck out like forty percent of the time, thirty eight point nine percent of the time in AAA this season. And he'll get some run while Sanchez is on the IL because he has some power. It is a bummer, by the way, that Sanchez hit the IL when he did because he was really just starting to I find was. his stride again, <laughs> and he was doing some serious damage. But actually a little bit more interested in Edwards because Edwards is the same type of dude. The Marlins have like 15 of these guys. I swear to God, second baseman playing the outfield. 
he can run and he will get on base and he he will run and he'll he can get some steals for you. I think he's got the potential to go on one of those burners for steals, kind of like what John Birdie did last year. And he's going to get some playing time, I think, because the Marlins right now are running Garrett Hampson out in center field most days. Garrett Hampson is not doing much to deserve that playing time. They've already soured on him a couple of times before. And I think all it's going to take is a game or two for Edwards to get on base, steal some bags, that, and he will take that spot. What do you think, Jason? So some of you listening may be like, who the hell is Xavier Edwards? You may know him as Slapdick Prospect. That's who mm -hmm. Xavier Edwards is. That's, yep. that's the guy Blake Snell called Slapdick Prospect. Uh, <laughs> and I agree with Sarah. You know, He's a guy that can run. He gets on base. He can run. He of these two would be the guy that I would be more interested in because, as, as Sarah said, Peyton Burdick has struck out 41% of the time in organized baseball this season, 41% of the time. The burn rate it could be it could go quickly for him, but Edwards knows how to get on base. Has got much better plate discipline and has got that skill that the Marlins like to harvest. If if you'll remember, the the GM was like, I want to get players that make contact and run. And Burdick can run, but he doesn't make any contact. So if Ed and Edwards can play, you know, he came up as a second base. He was moving to the office, so he's got that flexibility and could fit into that Chisholm. Uh, type of role. So that's the guy I want to prioritize. Let somebody else try to chase lightning in a bottle with Burdick, uh, who was hitting well in AAA numbers wise. But again, the strikeouts just yikes. And, and it's been a problem all throughout his career. Whereas Edwards, you know, that speed is a skill that can carry him uh, as the Marlins have been uh, fans of that type of thing. So yeah, that's the direction I'd want to move in. Yeah, I think you guys absolutely nailed it. If you're looking for maybe some cheap power and maybe like a, a hot streak. I believe the Marlins are heading to Colorado this uh, week. So uh, that's always just a nice little stream. Wait, I Colorado at home all week, seven games all week. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget that. Get, get your Colorado hitters in your lineup because it's going to be uh, it'd be a fun week uh, in Colorado. But I don't know that either of these guys are going to make a huge impact necessarily in fantasy, but something we should definitely be monitoring, especially with them going to Colorado. Uh, Oscar Mercado came up because the Cardinals are running out of outfielders, especially ones who can play uh, center field, uh, and stole a bunch of bases. Any interest, Sarah? You know, I have a little bit of interest just because the Cardinals' offense is interesting right now. We knew it wasn't going to be as bad as they started in April through the entire season, and they appear to be on quite a hot streak at the moment. Uh, Mercado was slashing 278, 361, 421, and 145 plate appearances in AAA this season, and he's doing great for St. Louis so far. I just would temper the bids a little bit because I'm not sure how many plate appearances there are here with the Cardinals once people are healthy. They're already trying to find playing time for Burleson and Donovan, Nupar and Yepes. And then they've got Tyler O'Neill, who they're trying to, I don't know what they're trying to do with Tyler O'Neill when he comes back, probably trying to trade him or something. I just think that it's a crowded situation in the outfield in St. Louis. There's a reason Jordan Walker got sent down. And I think that Mercado is here for a while. You can ride the hot streak if you want, but he's a streamer. What do you think, Jason? I forgot he was in the league. I'm not going <laughs> to. I did. all come up. I did too. And then all of a sudden I'm doing the Roto write up one night and, I, and I'm looking through like stat lines and I go, Oscar Mercado stole two bases? What the hell? I didn't, eat, like oh. you said, I didn't even know he was. Uh, he, he's, he's 17. He's 17 of 20 this year and stolen bases. He was 15 of 18 down in Memphis and then now he's two for two at the major league level. Uh, but you know, Sarah brings up a great point with the with the crowded depth chart, and, and it seems like St. Louis always has this problem where they always have too many guys in the outfield. Like, what? And this is why they end up trading 
fam in a Rose Arena, and I'm drawing a blank. It's like a Garcia. Mm. Yes, Adolis Garcia. Thank you. I knew there was an obvious one there, but it's always somebody else that they're they're moving along. But you know, lightning in a bottle type short term investment. Sure, if he's going to run, but I honestly forgot he was in the league. Yeah, I, I didn't realize he was uh, even in the league. I think I tried to write him um, off after being burned in twenty and twenty and twenty twenty one. I'm like, nope, you're gone. Bye. I, I will point out too that the you know he's probably only going to play against lefties, and the Cardinals only go up against one lefty this week, and that's Brandon Williamson. So uh, I don't know that he's going to get a very much playing time unless he comes in as a. If you saw that, you know he's hitting four hundred and uh, and stealing bases right now. Uh, I think you're probably going to be pretty disappointed if you're expecting him to steal a whole bunch more this week with only one game against the lefties. So, uh, next guy on the docket, uh, is Mark Vientos, uh, who is a, uh, a really interesting prospect for the Mets. He's come up and made his major league debut and hit a home run already. Jason, any interest in Mark Vientos? I like Mark Vientos. I've seen him played live uh, a few times here in the minors. Uh, he hits the ball extremely hard. Uh, he's got a lot of raw power, uh, and he's not a and he's not a stiff running uh, either. Uh, the problem is he uh, it's uh, not. A, I would say like he hits the ball hard, but there's you know, the usual risk that you have with that type of approach. Uh, he can be prone to some swing and miss in his game, but he does have a lot of thump in his bat. He's somebody. I'd like to see where the Mets are going to make room for him um, in there, but he does have some good power upside. If he's if you're one of those teams that's chasing power, this is a guy to look at uh, because he does have it in spades, uh, but it does come with some risk. Batting average could be a problem, but he can put some serious thump in a baseball. Sarah, any interest in Vientos? I really like Vientos, and I agree with everything that Jason just said. I was looking at him for the playing time tomorrow column, and his first game he came up, he had four batted ball events. One of them was 99.6 miles per hour. The other three were all over 100 miles per hour, including a home run. Uh, He did the same thing in his second game, just like mashing balls over 100 miles per hour. And also, between his first and second game, for some reason, he sat for Daniel Vogelbach and Eduardo Escobar. And so I'm not sure what the Mets are doing, calling this kid up so that he can sit against lefties and we can watch Daniel Vogelbach play. Uh, he's also, I, I just, I, mm, I, I worry about playing time here, but the power potential is real. I have to believe that he is going to play himself into an everyday role with the Mets. I just don't know how long that's going to take. And I think there could be some playing time concerns for a few weeks while he figures that out. Well, and the problem is it's not sitting against lefties. It's sitting against righties. Both the games he sat this Righty, week sorry, yes. right, right-handed pitching. And uh, there is a ton of power on the bat. Why is Daniel Vogelbach still on this team? Like, I I understand, like, he's a, you They're know, waiting for that stolen base. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't get it. He's hitting 236. He's not hitting for a bunch of power. You know, he's got two home runs in over 100 plate appearances this year. Uh, like, Get him off your team and bring some of these young, interesting guys up and give other guys uh, playing time that are already up. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Vientos is, a, is an interesting guy to take a gamble on because there is just a ton of power. But like Jason Zero said, like uh, there's a lot of swing and miss in this. So like he's, he's a guy that um, could strike out at a 30, 35% rate at the major league level. Could come with a bunch of power, but 
will the Mets be okay with him striking out of that rate? At least he walks. He's had double digit walk rate for the minor leagues. So uh, those of you playing on base percentage leagues, uh, maybe the, av- the average doesn't kill you because he does walk at a double digit rate. So uh, we're going to finish out with a giant with uh, in Patrick Bailey, former first round pick. Uh, he's coming up because Joey Bart hit the IL again this season. Uh, any interest in Patrick Bailey there, uh, Sarah? You know, I'm really concerned about playing time here. I'll keep an eye on Bailey. I, I, I am not in on Bailey at the moment. But if you are desperate at catcher, definitely somebody you could throw a dollar on and just see what you've got there. Um, I'm probably a little bit more interested in Chad Wallach if he got dropped from his concussion issues uh, because he has more steady playing time, has already put up some decent numbers there for the Angels, covering for Logan O'Hoppy, who unfortunately he lost early this season. Um I don't know. I I could see throwing a dollar on him, but I'm not I'm not really all that interested, except maybe in the deepest of leagues or an NL only league. What about you, Jason? NL only league. I mean, he, yeah, he's got the prospect pedigree, switch hitter, cool, but it, it's a it's a catcher. I mean, I'm not I'm not chasing. Uh, I, I'm not chasing uh, in a mixed format. There are other options. I think that you know this year is one of those years. There's only one team I have, like I, I have Yanir Diaz uh, as a catcher in AL. I actually did try to replace him this week, and I got outbid on both Christian Vasquez and Matt Thice, who both had been hit on the waiver wire for some reason. So I, I got I lost on a tiebreaker to bat with Vasquez and uh, underbid, or I was overbid rather on on Matt Thice. But other than that, I've been pretty good at catcher this year, and uh, I don't see how this fixes any of my issues. So uh, no, I. I you know, if, if I'm going to bid, it may be a dollar or two. But other than that, you know, it's it's, meh. I don't know what else to say. It's a, it's a catcher. And I mean, here's the problem because I, I like Patrick Bailey long term. Like I think he's a really uh, interesting prospect, good hit tool for a catcher, and a very good defender behind the plate. Uh, the problem is this is just a grade one groin strain for Joey Bart, which means he's probably not going to be out for very long. And the Giants uh, have Blake Sable. Uh, as a rule five pick, which means he has to stay up with the major league club and they don't want to lose him. And so they, you know, they were running at one point with three catchers because they, uh, they didn't want to lose him. So uh, I don't think they're going to run with three catchers for very long uh, once Joey Bart comes back. So my, my assumption is that this is a short term stay unless Patrick Bailey just starts hitting the cover off the ball. Cause Bart has actually been halfway decent this year. So I, if you're looking for a short-term catcher uh, stream, because I do think Bailey's going to play uh, quite a bit behind the plate uh, until Bart comes back, then that makes sense. But if you are looking at him as a long-term replacement, look somewhere else. So um, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast talking a little bit of this weekend's fab uh, and some fantasy baseball with both of you. Uh, remind everybody where you reach on social media and then plug all your work. You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. I share everything that I write there. And the most important thing that I'd love people to take a look at right now is the new fantasy baseball show that I've got going. It drops uh, early each week, usually Monday or Tuesday. You can subscribe to that by searching for fans for sports network fantasy. It's called what the fab and Justin has been on. I will certainly have Jason on later this season. And it's just been a blast talking through some of the early Fab market movement, draft recaps, different things that have been going on this year with lots of our favorite fantasy friends. So check it out. 
Definitely got to check it out. I had an absolute blast on there a couple weeks ago uh, and had an absolute blast talking to you today on this pod. Uh, Jason, where can you be reached on social media and what are you doing right now? Uh, so at the at Jason Colette, a weekly column at Rotowire. Uh, Colette Calls usually runs Thursday or Friday, depending on what my weekly schedule is. Uh, and so this week was one on RBIs, looking at where RBIs are coming from. Because that, as, as a whole, league average, 14.4% of runs are driven in. Uh, and there are some guys like Jonah Heim who are driving in 30% of their base runners. And there are guys like Gunnar Henderson who are driving in like four. Uh, so it's like you have to look at – I like trying to look for those guys that are below league average because you have to figure that that comes up. So what can I do to acquire some of those guys? Or if my RBI production looking like, wow, I've got Jonah Heim, uh, th- that's not going to last for long. Uh, and, but Texas has been absurd in their offense. It's like everybody was kind of focused on my team. Uh, but now, like recently, people are starting to notice, holy crap, Texas scores a bunch of runs. They also give up a bunch. Uh, their bullpen situation is not great, uh, but they're, you know they're doing some things over there as well. And that's why Adolis Garcia leads the league in RBIs uh, this year. So uh, I was working on that. And uh, topic to be determined for this week. Haven't really uh, come up with that yet. Are we uh, recording next week with it being Memorial Day weekend? Uh, I will if you will. Okay, I'm good. Just want to make go. sure. Yeah, we'll right. definitely record then. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, at FWFB. Um, I'm writing daily at Fangraphs, three days a week at Fantasy Pros, and I'm also uh, doing the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. Uh, that will wrap us up for this episode. For Sarah, Chase, and myself, thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.